please be seated. Mary shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. God is with us. God is with us. In the play, Amal and the Night Visitors, Amal is a young, fatherless, crippled boy whose mother has no work, and they are down to the last of their meager bits of food, forced to burn their furniture to stay warm, and in their desperate circumstances, faced by so many still in our world today, his mother grows very fearful, and one night she will not allow Amal to open the door to night visitors, but when she falls asleep, Amal opens the door and he lets them in. Regally dressed men are on their way to honor a baby who has been born a king, and Amal asks them, what kind of king is he? The visitors tell him that the newborn child is a king born in a stable to a young poor mother, that he will bring peace that he will lift up the lowly and fill the hungry with good things, that he is a king who will be merciful and compassionate and has come to help those in need. And Amal says to the night visitors, for such a king, I have waited all my life. After our service this morning, we will have a pageant rehearsal for Christmas Eve's pageant. And I'm reminded of one of the most moving pageants by Barbara Robinson, which features some really bad kids called the Herdman. They were known, as Robinson writes, to be the worst kids in the history of the world. They lied and stole and smoked cigars, even the girls. They talked dirty, they hit little kids and cussed their teachers, and they took the name of the Lord in vain. They set fire to Fred Shoemaker's old broken-down tool house, two fire engines, two police cars, all the volunteer firemen and five dozen donuts sent up from Tasty Lunch Diner all arrived at the scene. The donuts were supposed to be for the firemen, but by the time they got the fire out, the donuts were all gone. The herdmen's got them. And what they couldn't eat, they stuffed in their pockets and down the front of their shirts. You could actually see the donuts all around Ollie Herdman's middle. I can't, I can't help myself but to say that my uh, 34-year-old son visiting today and sitting in the front row with family was Ollie Herdman. And the, I, the kids were able to actually dress for this pageant in costumes of their choosing and he came down the aisle with a white t-shirt with a rolled up pack of cigarettes in the side and um, was awfully happy to be in church as such a uh, rough kid. So these street-wise rough kids end up walking, and by the way, I can't believe you're also here as we pray for Argentina and France and the World Cup. It's, a, it's nothing but a miracle that you are all here instead of home watching the World Cup, particularly my son. But anyway, so here we have these rough, streetwise kids, and they end up walking into 
the Christmas pageant rehearsals, hoping to steal something from the church. And they ultimately pushed their way into all the lead roles. And when they hear the story of Christmas for the first time, they want a bloody end to Herod. They worry about Mary having her baby in watered-up clothes. They take the ham that has come in their child welfare Christmas basket and substitute it because they don't like the idea of the things that the wise men gifts are bringing to a baby. None of the herdmen had ever gone to church or Sunday school. They didn't know how things were to be. And Imogene, playing Mary, had no idea that she's usually acted out in sort of a quiet, dreamy, out-of-this-world way. And Imogene's Mary was loud and bossy, a lot like Mrs. Santoro at the pizza parlor. A wide lady with a skinny husband and nine children she hugged and hollered at. In the pageant candlelight, Imogene's face is shining with tears that she doesn't bother to wipe away. She's never heard the story of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And Christmas came over her all at once when she realized, like a mall, for such a king. She had waited all her life. The birth of Jesus to human parents in a human story reassures us that it's in our humanness that we meet God. In human time, in human history, Jesus comes in labor pains, in our need for food, and unlikely children come to put their hope and trust in God. We are now at this final Sunday of Advent. And today we hear the story of Mary, the story of Joseph, and their willingness to listen to the Holy Spirit, which changed everything for them. For Christians, the power of today's story is this. What fell apart in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve are cast out of the garden, they're distant from God, there's brokenness between humans and God, there's a breach and a broken connection, and all of that is reconciled in Mary's womb. Mary conceived, Joseph stayed with her, and they named him Jesus. God is with us. Think of all of the art covering cathedrals and altars and museums across the entire world. The nativity scene rendered in deserts, in caves, in sheds, in clay and marble, the visitations and pilgrimage to the pilgrimages made to Our Lady, the Blessed Mother, churches dedicated to St. Joseph across the world. History and the Bible tell us so little about these figures. And yet all of the doctrines and myths and pieties have grown up around this very bare-bones biblical story. No figures in history have been more frequently sung about or prayed to, sketched or painted than Jesus and Mary. 
their story is a human story that speaks to us. When the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Mary doesn't take a step forward, she takes a step back. And she asks herself, What sort of greeting might this be? In one of my favorite artistic renderings of this moment, Mary has her hand raised to Gabriel's face and her arms outstretched and her body is leaning way back like, whoa, I am not so sure. I want to hear what you've come to tell me. And the Bible says that she ponders, that she's perplexed what sort of greeting this might be. She's not sure she wants to hear what this Gabriel come from God has to say to her. And she knows that just because she's told the Lord is with you does not necessarily mean that what's going to be asked of her will be easy or safe or even welcome. And Gabriel does not improve his chances when he tells Mary, don't be afraid. And then he proceeds to tell her about the worst words that a young woman with a fiancé, with all her plans for the future, could hear that she will bear one who will be in line with the ancestry of David, a Messiah, a new kind of king, who will bring justice and compassion and love. So the miracle is that Mary lets go of her caution and suspicion and resists all the worries and anxieties that had to be flooding her. The miracle is that the Spirit visits Joseph in a dream and tells him, don't walk out on her. Don't dismiss her quietly, as the Bible says. And he listens. And what cannot be conceived of by our human mind was conceived by a flame of divinity in a human body so that what was broken apart in the beginning can be mended together. Three words, 2,000 years ago, said in faith and fear, Mary said, Here am I. Be it unto me according to your word. Here am I. Mary's words are all the words any of us need to say to God this morning. Pray those words into our own life. We will never solve all our questions, our perplexity, our confusion, our fear. Mary and Joseph didn't. They took that leap of faith and said, Here am I. And they changed the history of the world and the story of Christian faith. Here am I, Mary's story, Joseph's story, Amal's story, Imogene and Ollie's story, your story and mine. Here am I. Those words are our words as we follow Mary and Joseph this final week before Christmas, following them into the mystery and the immense majesty of God 